Habibi Fahodier family. I'd like to welcome you to a special edition of Warriors of Weasels. I'm your host, Boo Sara. Don't want to waste too much time because that is something we cannot waste. I mean, there's plenty of time in the universe, but you as an individual don't have that much time compared to the amount of time in the universe. So don't want to waste any time. Want to get right to uh to the ancestral wisdom. This time we're going to go with a Haitian proverb. True courage is knowing how to suffer. Haitian proverb. Want to say that one more time. True courage is knowing how to suffer. And as I lay out the presentation I have for today, I want to make sure that we understand that this isn't telling people to suffer unnecessarily, to live broke, to be broke, um, to go to prison for no reason. I'm not telling people to suffer just to suffer. Suffering just to suffer isn't a form of courage. So let me get right to what we're going to talk about. Do you know about Robert Charles? Uh, we have so many warriors who have gone before us. And anytime anyone opens their mouths and talk about, you know, we ain't our ancestors. I ain't my ancestors. I, I'll snap on you. All of this stuff that we find ourselves foolishly saying that can only come from a place of ignorance, a lack of knowing, not knowing history. Let's go into Robert Charles. Robert Charles was born a free man, put aster I mean, a uh, quotation around those free men, in Kapaya County, Mississippi, in late 1865. His parents, sharecropped, and his father was even listed as a registered voter. However, by the year of 1883, the political coalition between poor whites and Africans in America under the banner known as the Independent Party came to a violent end. The county's all-white Democratic Party, or Democratic Party, led a mass riot and conducted or influenced assassinations that were felt at the ballot box. This was the climate that shaped Robert Charles. So here he is, um, born right around the emancipation time or the ending of slavery, the paper slavery on paper, as you see, his parents were sharecroppers. So they still were form in a form of slavery or servitude. Uh, but however, his father was able to vote. You got to remember there was a voting act signed in 1860. I mean, uh, 1964 or 65. However, Robert Charles father was voting in the 1800s and was a registered voter up until possibly 1883 when white people lashed out at the interracial coalition between poor whites and, and blacks. And obviously the poor whites chose sides because it took almost a hundred years, actually a hundred years uh, for rights to be restored in the South for black voters. So Robert Charles came to New Orleans from Mississippi. So he was born in um, Kapaya County, Miss, uh, Mississippi. And 
He moved to New Orleans. That was a thing, you know, you may be born in a small black town with little opportunities outside of sharecropping, if that's considered an opportunity. So if you don't want to share crop, you'll try to flood to a bigger city uh, where he found himself in New Orleans, which is in Louisiana. Uh, he was self-educated. So he wasn't one of those persons who needed to go to school. He knew that education was life. So he used his life as the school. I'm not saying schooling isn't important because I promote us building our own institutions, but we don't need buildings to have a relationship with the most high, to be educated, to be healthy. All of those things could be done without a building. It would be nice to have a building for people to go and get checked up and be healthy. It would be nice to have a building to educate yourself in uh, those things are pluses, but you do not need them. Uh, he also believed in self-defense for the Africans in America, uh, and he encouraged for the Africans in the United States to move to Liberia to escape racial discrimination. Now, that'll let you know, by him growing up in a, a time to where he's seen whites and blacks side by side voting, maybe even in the same party, then he's seen that breaking up He's seen that divide. The only other thing he could think about was going back to Africa. He, know, he knows integration isn't an option because he has seen integration before. So he thinks about separation, not segregation. So we're going to get into why we're talking about Robert Charles, but I wanted you to look at this, this psyche that's building in him. All right. Growing up where he grew up in the times that he grew in, he had a racial consciousness. He promoted self-defense for black people because he's probably seen lynchings and assassinations at the ballots uh, for by racist Democrats, as well as poor whites who may have not have been aligned with political parties. It could have been out of jealousy. Um, he just seen riots and other things that would shape his psyche for being pro-black, he may have been a militant, he was self-defense oriented. Um, so that leads us to the night of July 23rd, the year 1900. Three white police officers, it's already starting off bad. Uh, a Sergeant Julius Ashon, I guess that's right, uh, Joseph Cantrell, in August, T. Mora found Charles and his roommate Leonard Pierce sitting on a porch in a predominantly white neighborhood. After some police harassment, which means after being racially profiled, after being approached by the police for no reason, the police actually got into a scuffle with Mr. Charles, which made them draw weapons and shots were exchanged. Although no one was killed at the particular time uh, Charles was shot in the leg during this altercation, I guess the police interrogated his roommate to determine the location of Charles's home. And when the police arrived at his house, 
Charles fired his rifle in their direction, killing two police officers, including the chief, Captain Day. So while the rest of the officers sought cover, Charles fled the scene, and this led to a police manhunt. So we have this incident that didn't have to happen. I mean, if you look at a lot of the incidents when it comes to racial incidents in America, they didn't have to happen. They could have been avoided, but racism was so prevalent they had to make it happen. So these three racist officers basically caused the death of two other officers. And instead of realizing, well, maybe we were in the wrong, them white officers went and told their other officers, hey, we need backup. It's a rowdy Negro. They they uh, interrogated his roommate. And we don't know if they brutally interrogated his roommate or if they just roughly questioned him by being the South we're thinking about early 1900s. I would assume they had beat um, his roommate in some form or fashion to get some information from him, even if he freely gave it. So we look at this. This was a, um, a sketch at the time of the, the murder scene. So even if Charles had no way of knowing as he hid out, as an African-American or African in America in 1900 New Orleans, he surely would have guessed what was about to occur in the streets around him. He was now dubbed the arch fiend of white New Orleans. The mayor had given any man, AKA white man, because black people aren't considered men, a license to kill Charles and a reward was offered for his body, dead or alive. So he's deputizing white women, white men, white children to kill Charles as well as his own deputies. And he's offering a reward for his body dead or alive. So you can imagine what this calls for poor whites who, who need money, um, white people who have the God complex, who feel that they can do whatever they want in black communities. So you, you had white people coming into black people's homes, storming them, beating black people up, uh, acting as if they were looking for Charles or pretending as if they had Charles. So it was just uh, a massacre and a riot, one-sided, white-fueled, white-led riot. Okay, so... The next day, which, you know, would be after they found out that two officers were killed, which would include the, the chief. The next day, a crowd of white New Orleans residents gathered at the location where the policemen were killed. And they called for lynching of Charles, you know. That's what they do. Numerous events of lawlessness and civil unrest as mobs of whites roamed the city to terrorize the city. Uh, they terrorized these black people. And the newspapers fueled or fanned the flames uh, and blamed the black community for the unrest. And this article that I got the information from is referring to black people as African-Americans. But during that time, there were no African-Americans. We were African. We were not American. We were never referred to as countrymen that early, even though we were in war, that we were Negroes at best. We weren't really considered countrymen. And some of the uh, black people pr uh, provided assistance to Charles and were sympathetic because of the growing segregation that was going on and the, uh, 
the brutality that was going on at the voting polls and whatnot to make it a, a all white country again. So acting on a tip, a good old snitch on July 27th, the police, along with a deputized militia, white men with guns, you know, what we see today, your cow ridden house came to the number in the thousands surrounded Charles hiding spot at 1208 South Saratoga. There, the police and the mob repeatedly fired on the house with Charles. Uh, they re repeatedly fired on the house. But Charles was expertly returning shots, killing another five police and militia members, four police and uh, one militia member by the late afternoon. At that point, unhappy with the thousand to one odds in their favor, the police lit fire to the ground floor and smoked Charles out of the house. He was shot by a militia member before the crowd fire thousands of bullets into his dead body. So he was already dead, but the these whites, this unnecessary anger, you know, they're fighting with anger, not courage. They're, they're already outmanning him. I wanna say you have the entire white community of New Orleans and possibly the surrounding areas looking for one black man. There are some reports that said there was over 20,000 people looking for him or outside of his home at the time when this happened. So the reward for treason, let's talk about it. The informant who told the police the whereabouts of Robert Charles, Fred Clark was shot and killed several, day, several days later by an admirer of Charles, of Robert Charles. And that man's name was Louis Forstall. Another man we should remember because Louis Forstall had a nationhood mentality. He understood the reward for treason was death. Fred Clark gave up the information of Robert Charles' whereabouts as if that would change the scenario. And this is why I say it takes courage, or I chose the proverb, the Haitian proverb, it takes courage to suffer because Fred Clark didn't wanna suffer. Louis Forstall was willing to suffer. And not only was he willing to suffer, he was willing to kill for those who would be treasonous against the suffrage that was necessary. We don't need pacifiers. We don't need false justice. We don't need to, to give our enemies what they want when our enemies have no plan on giving us what they want. And I still refuse to believe that these policemen did not know who they were dealing with or did not get a sense of the type of black man they were dealing with when they came across Robert Charles, who was well-spoken, intelligent, well-read, self-taught, had a love for education, wanted black people to repatriate to Africa, particularly Liberia. This was a conscious black man they were dealing with, as well as he was for self-defense. So he probably had a knife as well as a gun on him, which they found out when it popped off. So look at the accuracy of Charles. Charles, Robert Charles, shot a total of 27 white people in the course of the week. Seven lethally. Four of the victims were policemen, with one being a chief, Captain Daly or Captain Day. I think that was his name. So 
can't be afraid to suffer. You must show that courage. And he wasn't afraid. He was willing to do what it takes. And it seems the community realized that this was the necessary means of the steps that we may need to take on our road to liberation. He wanted to go to Africa. He didn't go looking for those three officers. Those three officers came to him and a friend that they were hanging out after working hard because they weren't being lazy black men. That was an upright, intelligent black man that they sought out, tried to bully. They realized they couldn't bully Mr. Charles. He, he obviously put hands on one of the officers and the officer was mad enough to open fire on him, which I think that was how he was shot in the leg. However, he got his retribution. Killing seven people, he got his hands on whoever he could before they cowardly burned his home and, and shot him from all angles, overkilling his dead body. This is what I want to read, a news article uh, that the way it read, you just got to look. Their media has never been a friend of black people, not in the 1900s, not in the 2000s, and not in the 20s, the 2020s or the 2030s. Going forward, the white media is here to protect white supremacy. Charles killed after slaying four others. The desperate black surrounded in a house on Saratoga Street. Just look how they try to say it. He was a desperate black. <laughs> Sergeant Gabe Portis and Corporal John bravely attempt capture and their lives pay for their effort to avenge their brethren. So, yeah, he was getting sergeants. He was getting corporals. I love it. Police and citizens militia then take up take up the battle against the desperado, finally succeeding in dislodging and compassing his death. But not before Andy Von Curran and Andrew L. Brumfield are murdered. They weren't murdered. <laughs> it's war. Ain't no murder in war. They were casualties. And a half a dozen other volunteers are wounded too desperately. So he probably paralyzed two of them put a half a dozen others wounded, and then they probably found out the numbers were, were greatly more because, you know, a lot of people want to hide their injuries when a black man does it. And then the mayor says, the mayor and the people rise to the emergency with patriotic promptness. An order is quickly restored and greater violence prevented except for the burning of a school last night. So the way it's written, you'll think that it's all black people. The violence prevent it was black violence especially if you think about it in today's sense because for some reason we think black people are the most violent even though majority of the heads of of militaries in in the american territory uh, are white majority of the heads of military in european countries period are white uh, the head of the military when they dropped the atomic bomb was white the majority of your brutality when it comes to this world is served by non-black people or black people funded by white people. And let's look at what was burning. White mobs in New Orleans still rampaged after the killing. So you, you can look at the newspaper, the lying newspaper, they said order was quickly restored and greater violence prevented. White mobs in New Orleans still rampaged after the killing 
of Charles. Police had difficulty getting the body to the morgue due to the angry white mobs, including police, attempting to damage the corpse, which was already shot up. Every white man wanted to shoot that man once he was dead. They are cowards. Several innocent Africans in America were killed in the best Negro schoolhouse in Louisiana. The Thomi Lafon schoolhouse was burned down. Nothing that was done during this white backlash or during these white riots or these white mob attacks were random. They know exactly who they were getting. You're, 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 um, what is the, the most recent, what is that coward's name? The one they, they gave him a, a burger at Burger King. Um, the, the guy who shot up at the church, we know who I'm talking about. For some reason, his name is slipping me. He didn't just luck up and find a historically black church that was filled with uh, prominent black people and, and carry out his, what he did. White people don't just luck up and burn down the most prominent schoolhouse for black people in the South or in Louisiana. Those were not luck up. Those three white officers didn't just luck up and stumble across a pro-black, pro-defense, intelligent black man. The majority of the lynchings during Jim Crow period of the business owners weren't luck. The white women who, who allegedly lied, well, who lied, ain't no allegedly, who lied on the black people uh, saying they allegedly raped them and they whistled at them they somehow always had to be people who had something or appeared to have something, except for maybe your uh, Emmett Till. But, but besides that, a lot of them were owners, business owners, land owners. And they got a lot of their things stolen from them by white mobs threatening to kill them if they didn't flee. So I want to go ahead and wrap this up. It was a, just a special presentation to talk about uh, a strong African warrior who walked on the soils of America. And his name was Robert Charles. He was a race man in his time. He wasn't a coward. These are the people who uh, I get upset about when people say, um, uh, I'm not my ancestors. I mess you up. Well, when is the last time you shot a total of 27 white people in the course of a week? Seven lethally. Four of the victims were policemen, with one being a, a, a chief. I'm not advocating violence, but I'm talking to those people who spit on their ancestors out of ignorance and say, say things that they know they're not prepared to do. How many of you are race men in a time when it was you could be killed just for being smart as a black person. How many of you were promoting going to Africa in 19, would think doing that in 1900? You got people scared to talk pro-black in 2021 because they scared of losing their job. They're looking for convenient revolution. How can I be revolutionary without upsetting my white so-called friends? How can I be revolutionary without upsetting my white wife? my white husband, my white co-workers, we must be unapologetically, like Dr. Umar says, gotta be unapologetically African because our enemy is unapologetically ruthless and deceptive, unapologetically with it. So until the next time, family, I'm your host, Busara, 
This has been another Warriors Over Weasels. A BB Fahodier family.